do them. So happy Memorial Day to you guys. I encourage you tomorrow. Hopefully you've got some time off from work. Spend time with family and enjoy those things that the freedom, it costs a lot for us. And so I encourage you um, to, to have a good time tomorrow. Um, I want to remind you really quickly, uh, Tiff said this. Uh, you know, Christian T-shirt Sunday. We've been doing this for years at VFC. It's always tons of fun. Uh, it's, it's a really good time. Uh, and then it's also it's um, it's uh, Family Sunday next Sunday. So we'll be taking communion as a family. Um, it's also the kickoff of our new series. On the other side of this is the new series that we're going to be doing for June and July. It's called "This Is My Story." Does anyone remember the old hymn? This is my story. This is my song. Probably won't be singing that. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's about story. Now, this is what's going to happen. Uh, I'm going to kind of tell you what I mean about the importance of your story. Uh, I'm going to do some different character um, uh, character studies about some people in the Bible. Some people, I mean, we know uh, about a lot of the main characters, but I'm going to kind of go maybe beneath the surface into some characters you might not know the whole story uh, behind. And then we are going to hear from people within our congregation who are going to, on Sunday mornings, share their story. Don't worry if you've not been contacted. It's not you, okay? Don't panic. (laughs) But um, we have people who are going to share their testimony and their story some Sunday mornings all throughout the summer. It's going to be really, really neat. I can't wait for you to hear uh, those people's stories and for you to hear about how your story, uh, your past, can influence someone's future. But you have to be willing to share. You have to be willing to talk. I was so proud of Dorianne when she shared earlier. Me and her husband just passed away. Was it been two weeks or so? And so and for her to, to come up and be able to, to share what the Lord's done in her heart, that's amazing. So I encourage you this summer, it's going to be the theme of the whole summer, June and July, is this is my story. Sounds good? Cool. Well, we're going to be finishing up our series Power Tools um, hopefully you've enjoyed this. I've enjoyed it. I've just enjoyed bringing power tools up on stage. Um, that's just been tons of fun for me. Uh, the power tools series has been about discovering those things that God has given to us that provide power in the life of the believer. Uh, power helps get the job done quicker, right? Power is good. Um, you know, how many of you have ever used hedge trimmers, clippers like this, right? Yeah, and, and this works, doesn't it? It works great. I mean, you open the deal, you you snap it off, makes you feel like, yeah, I take that bush for growing on my watch, yeah. And so you can you can get you can get stuff done with this, all right? This this. But how many of you have been out in the hot sun and used this for about an hour, and then you got blisters on your hands, right? And you're only about a quarter of the way done, and you're thinking, why did I sign up for this, right? Yes, we've all had that thought. Now this is a gas powered. Hedge trimmer, all right? This thing, I don't even know if I can do this without killing myself, so I'm not going to take the sheath off, but underneath are the blades, uh, and you crank this puppy up, which I'm not going to do because it'd smell like oil and gas for the rest of the morning. So um, probably set off some smoke uh, alarms, smoke detectors. But this is an electronic head. Now, how many of you have ever used this one? Yeah? This is fun. This is lots of fun, okay? This is where you just get to act like, 
you know, like your He-Man or whatever, and, and just totally uh, trim a bunch of stuff all at once, right? This is tons of fun. I've, I've always had this. Is, I borrowed this one for this illustration. I've always had the electric ones, and I always end up cutting the cord. Does anyone else have a problem with that? Yeah. Yeah, cutting the cord. Yeah, yeah. We, we had one, and um, uh, I think Ethan was around 10, and we started letting him use it, and he cut the cord. Uh, and then he went over to my dad's house. And, uh, and use his, and he, he didn't cut the cord, but he cut his finger. So we're still in like some remedial classes for him uh, when it comes to <laughs> hedge trimmers. But yeah, so the, the, the clippers work, right? They get the job done, but the power tool gets it done a lot faster and a lot more effectively and quite honestly, a lot more fun. Okay, and so these are the different power tools that we've been investigating. Just a quick review, the power of agreement, the power of agreement. That's the fact that there is a spiritual law that when two or more believers agree together in prayer, it's more powerful than than when just one prays. Yes, you should pray, but when you are facing a really big mountain in your life, it's time to grab a prayer partner. It's time to learn to agree in prayer. We talked about Power in the name of Jesus. And that's just not just tacking Jesus' name onto the end of your prayer, okay? It's when you are taking on his purpose, you're operating under his influence and his authority. Um, you don't have to, if you're praying in the name of Jesus, you don't have to worry if you're praying for the wrong thing. Because you're already submitted to him. Does that make sense? You don't like throw up random prayers and hope in, in Jesus' name and hope that he somehow answers it. Right, You're already praying according to his will because you're under his influence and authority. We talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when you get saved, he comes in us, and it's wonderful, and he remakes us, and we are a new creation, and our home is in heaven. And Because you follow eternity, you simply follow your father. <laughs> that, that You just go where your family is. Okay, You never have to worry about heaven or hell. You, have to, you, just, you go where your family is. Okay, so when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, okay, then your home is heaven and and he begins to work in you and all that. But the Holy Spirit can also come upon you. We call that the baptism or the dipping or the immersion of the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. It provides power. Uh, Last week we talked about the power of weakness, that there is actually power in weaknesses, that when we are weak, he is strong. And and you don't always realize this, but power tools actually require less of you than manual tools. You actually get to rest from labor when you're using a power tool, because usually it just means pressing a button, right? Or maybe once you get this thing cranked up, you just, you hold it steady, right? Unlike the clippers where you're just constantly moving. You can rest from your labors. It's okay to embrace your weakness because your weakness calls out the miracle power of God. Amen? Okay? So this morning, whoo, it's a lot of review. This morning we're talking about the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. You have the opportunity to live in spiritual and emotional freedom by embracing the practice of forgiveness. You have the opportunity to live in spiritual and emotional freedom. Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you like to live in spiritual and emotional freedom? You can if you use this power tool. You embrace forgiveness. Not just the concept, but the practice of forgiveness, okay? I'm going to be moving pretty quickly this morning. Uh, so just just so you know, um, I want you to buckle in, grab, grab a... Uh, a pen in front of you. We have pens in the seat backs in front of you. You can take notes on the back side of the bulletin. There should be some room there. And I encourage you, um, we're going to learn about forgiveness, and you will have the opportunity 
to practice this at the end of this service. So I want to talk about forgiveness. Uh, why is forgiveness so powerful? Why is it a power tool? Why are we talking about this during a power tool um, series? Well, first of all, the first reason is that Forgiveness is a house rule. Now, you may have heard me talk about this before, the concept of house rules, okay? This is the idea that these are rules that apply to everyone, okay? So in my house, maybe it's a lot like your house, there are rules that we all have to follow regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of anything, right? We all have to follow these rules. These are things like treat others well. Tiffany wrote a, uh, we had a house rule list when the kids were much younger. Number one, her pet peeve, no complaining. No complaining. That was at the top. It was a house rule. No one can complain in our house. And as soon as they do, bad stuff happens, okay? Do your chores. It applies to everyone. The chores may be different, but you still have to do them, right? Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. These are all house rules for my family, okay? They apply to everyone. Now, other areas are tailored more for each specific person. You know, the different entertainment. My kids watch different movies than each other. The, the older ones watch different than the younger ones, right? We don't let my children drive unless they have a driver's license. That's wisdom, by the way. Write that down. Um, I mean, you know what I mean? And so there are the activities and, uh, and stuff like that. Some of the rules are based on the individual, but the house rules apply to everyone. And forgiveness is a house rule, and that means you're not the exception to this. There's no one that's going to hear this message, whether it's on CD, streaming online, or here in the building, that this will not apply to. It will absolutely, 100% of the time, apply to you. Okay? And that's why it's so powerful. It's because it's something that the Lord has not, has not made any way of escape from. Okay? If, if you look at Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15, this is Jesus talking. He says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others... Your father will not forgive your sins. Wow. That, that's about as clear as it gets. I have people come in my office and ask me theological questions. And what about this? And what about this? And is this right? And sometimes I have to say, well, you know, I'm not really sure if your dog will be in heaven. <laughs> There's some things that scripture just doesn't say, which I'll just go ahead and declare, yes, your dog will be in heaven. The Lord will figure it out for you, okay? I can't point to a scripture. I can't point to a verse about some questions, but when it comes to the topic of forgiveness, there's no question, there's no wiggle room, there's no gray area, you have to forgive. You have to. It's a house rule. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved, whether you got saved yesterday or you've been saved before you were born, (laughs) like some of you, right, grew up in church, just grew up in the Christian faith. It doesn't matter. You have to forgive. It's a house rule. Here's the other reason it's powerful. Forgiveness, I love forgiveness so much because it's proclaiming the gospel. Forgiveness is proclaiming the gospel. Acts 13.38 says, Brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Through Jesus, there's forgiveness of sins. Okay, so every time you choose to forgive the unforgivable, 
Every time you choose to love the unlovable, every time you choose to honor someone that you don't like, every time you do this, you are preaching the gospel. You are declaring the good news of Jesus all over again to the world that is watching and is waiting to see the sons and daughters of God revealed. Not just the religious junk that we post on our Facebook feeds, not just the the us versus them hyper-political religious systems that are going on right now in our country. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? They're waiting to see the revealing. Scripture says the whole earth is groaning. Please, show me a real Christian. Please. Forgive others. And you'll be preaching the gospel all over again, and you don't even have to hand out a tract. (laughs) Okay? So forgiveness is powerful because it's proclaiming the gospel. And lastly, and I've said this one before, and maybe if you... um, Maybe if you haven't heard this, this will sound a little strong. I don't know how to edit this sentence I'm about to say. I don't know how to change it. I can't make it, I can't make it less than what it is. And here's it. Unforgiveness will destroy you. I, I, just, I don't know how. Every single time I've shared on forgiveness, which is pretty regularly, as a matter of fact, the last time I preached on forgiveness was almost to the date a year ago. Here at VFC, I preached on forgiveness. And as I felt the Lord pushing me in this direction to share on forgiveness as a power tool, I said, but Lord, I just spoke on this a year ago. Surely there's some really cool revelation that I can impress the people with, with a verse they've never seen. And the concept that's so new and fresh, and they'll post it on Facebook, and it'll be like, yeah, we had church. And the Lord said, preach on forgiveness. <laughs> and I said, well, I did a year ago. And he said, a year is too long to go without talking about forgiveness. It's that important. It's that important. Guys, unforgiveness will destroy you. Matthew chapter 18. This is going to be a little bit longer passage. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, okay? And I encourage you, if you don't have uh, this particular translation, you can just listen um, so you don't get tripped up. But Jesus is talking, and he tells one of his parables, okay? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king... Uh, who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. Time to collect the money, right? Show me the money. Verse 24. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Whoa. Okay, so evidently this king was super, super rich, and he had given out some, like, major loans, all right? Because this was actually uh, 10,000 talents, which was about 375 tons of silver. A ton is 2,000 pounds. Can you do the math? 375 units of 2,000 pounds of silver. I mean, we're talking, this was in the tens of millions, okay? This was an amazing amount of money. Verse 25, he couldn't pay, you think? So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. That was common back then. It was indentured servitude. If you couldn't pay your bills, you became a servant or a slave of your master until the debt was paid. This guy was looking at a life sentence. Okay? All right? Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. 
Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Forgive millions and millions of dollars of debt. That's incredible. But when the man left the king, verse 28, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Uh-oh. This is a hundred denarii, okay? A denarius was about a full day's wage, okay? So he owed him a few thousand dollars, probably seven, eight thousand dollars or so, which is a lot of money. I mean, if you owe me seven or eight thousand dollars, I need you to go ahead and pay up, please, okay? I got bills. I got stuff I need to do, right? But... He went to this servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And again, this was a working prison where he would uh, over time pay off what it was. Verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were really upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Verse 32, And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That last, we aren't even at the last, we aren't even at the last verse yet, okay? But before we get there, this would have been a good time for Jesus to stop. This would have been a really good time for Jesus to say, hey, don't you get it? You owe a lot, God forgave you, so, you know, people have done stuff against you. I know it's a real debt, it's a real thing, it's a real issue, but you need to go ahead and forgive them. Everyone shakes their head, nods, yes, we got it, Jesus. Thank you for sharing that with us. But verse 35, Jesus continues, That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Whoa. So it's not just the story, the, the, the explanation of, okay, you know, uh, I've been forgiven of a lot, therefore I need to forgive. But in the story, the king throws the dude into prison not to work off his debt, but to be tortured and work off his debt torture y'all have seen like spy shows where they have the guy hanging upside down and they're like waterboarding him or they're like you know doing all sorts of nasty stuff to him that's the torture that's what they're talking about wow and then it says the heavenly father i thought god was love will do this to you wow Well, what's interesting about this is that delivered to the torturers, a torturer was not just a jailer. It was someone that used torture techniques and instruments of pain. I mean, you're talking about like the Iron Maiden and all this kind of stuff, right, to extract information. It was a a Greek word, and they knew full well what this meant, the listener to this parable. Um, This was an emotional decision. The king was infuriated, wasn't he? He was totally infuriated. Look, when you refuse to forgive others... This is what happens. This is why unforgiveness will destroy you. When you refuse to forgive others, what happens is God removes the protection that he gives those who walk in forgiveness. And he allows you to be turned over to the torturers. In this case, the forces of hell to come against you 
so that you might realize the error of your ways and repent. It's not a pretty sight. It's not a pretty sight. And I'd love to sit here and talk about rainbows and puppy dogs and unicorns this morning and tell you, yeah, God loves you, yay. And he does love you, but he loves you enough to do what's right by you, and you walking out in forgiveness will destroy you, so he gives you a very, very stern warning. And he says, this is so important, I can't allow you to continue in unforgiveness. I literally have to remove my protection to let the hounds of hell come after you to force you to repent because it's that important. It's crazy, isn't it? It's amazing. We should be talking about this every Sunday. It's crazy. Because unforgiveness will destroy you. And I cannot tell you guys how many times I have seen God-fearing, spirit-filled, awesome, loving, wonderful people who love God, who serve Him, and someone does something to offend them, and they know that, oh my gosh, I've got to take care of this unforgiveness. I've got to take care of this, but they don't do it. And they talk themselves out of it, and they say, well, God knows my heart. God understands, and they don't deal with it. And then a few years down the road, they don't look anything like what they used to look like because that unforgiveness has ravaged their spiritual life and has stolen every ounce of life that they had. I've seen it, guys. I've seen You've probably seen it, too. I mean, people who have stood in the pulpit and preached in power, and you're impressed, and it's like, wow, that was incredible. And three years later, they're not doing anything for the kingdom, and they're so bitter and angry, and they just might have even lost their faith totally. And I'm telling you, it's unforgiveness. Don't be a victim of unforgiveness. It will destroy you. Now, I need to let you know before I continue, because I'm going to tell you how to forgive in just a moment. But before we even continue, I need to give a quick little disclaimer, because sometimes people misunderstand what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness does not approve of sin. Forgiveness doesn't say that sin is not sin. Okay? Forgiveness doesn't allow sin to continue. You can forgive someone and call the cops. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, there are situations where, like, you know, a woman is being abused by her husband. She's like, well, I forgive him. Okay, that's fine. Forgive him. But throw his butt in jail because he's a jerk and he needs to get away from you. Okay, you understand? So forgiveness doesn't allow sin to continue. All right? That's not love. Love does what's best for the, I almost have y'all trained. Love does what's best for the other person. Love does what's best for the other person, and what's best for that abusive spouse is not that he allowed to do what he's doing, but, he, that, but that he be disciplined for what he's doing. That's what love does. Okay? So forgiveness is rooted in love, and love doesn't, love doesn't allow people to get away with murder. Okay? Um, so I'm, I'm not telling you that you deny anything bad happens. When you forgive someone, you are in no way, shape, or form saying that what was done to you was okay. It's, it's not saying that it's okay that it happened. Forgiveness is an invitation to reconciliation. But it's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee for reconciliation. You may forgive someone and that relationship may not ever be the same. Because it takes two people to tango when it comes to forgiveness. It takes two to make a thing go right, as Rob Bass would say. Anyone under the age of 30 like, is like, what? And anyone over the age of 55 is like, I don't understand that. Sorry, it's a rap song. <laughs> Write that down. It takes two. 
to make a thing go right. Okay. Hey, sometimes there are two people that we forget that we need to forgive the most. One, that's yourself. Because you have your regrets of your past decisions. The other person is God. Because we judge the Lord and what he allows to happen in our lives. Don't we? God, if you hadn't have allowed this, what, Lord, why did you let this happen? We turn our thoughts. We, Lord, you're all powerful. And therefore, why did you not stop this? Look, you need to forgive the Lord. There is a theological answer to your question. But you aren't able to receive it when you're in unforgiveness towards him anyway. You have to take the step of faith and forgive the Lord for allowing that loved one to die. For allowing you to lose that job. For allowing you to go through that car wreck. For allowing you whatever. You need to forgive the Lord for allowing that to happen. Most likely he didn't send it. Sometimes he, Most likely he didn't even send that thing. But we hold God accountable because we know he's all powerful. And we think, well, why didn't he stop this? Look, there are answers to that. But that's after you take the practical step to forgive the Lord. For allowing what's happened in your life. Do you hear me? Okay. All right, that was my disclaimer. It's a pretty good disclaimer, right? Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about really quickly, and I just have a few minutes to do this. I'm going to talk about how to forgive. How to forgive. First of all, how do I forgive? You got to make the choice. You got to make the choice to forgive. Right? It it is an intentional process. Uh, It doesn't just happen, and it is against our nature. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay? Uh, in one of the translations, it says forgiveness. Verse 13, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remember? Remember that? Remember that house rule? Yeah, yeah, he's talking about here too. Okay, so, so you have to make the choice. Now, I love it says you must, you must close, your, <laughs> close yourself. You must clothe yourself. You must clothe yourself with this. You must clothe yourself with forgiveness. Now, I've got a question. How many of you <laughs> got up this morning and when you rolled out of bed, you just happened to be wearing what you wanted to wear to church this morning? Raise your hand. If you raise your hand, that's going to be really weird. I'm just warning you, yeah, yeah. All the jokesters are raising their hand. I did. Okay, you got out of bed this morning, okay, probably wearing your Yoda pajamas, and then you made the choice, you were intentional about changing clothes to come here, right? So we don't change clothes by accident. You, you won't get up, well, not Monday, because hopefully it's a holiday for you, but Tuesday when you go to work, you won't get up, Roll out of bed and oh, you're wearing your work clothes, right? You have to make the choice to clothe yourself. You have to make your, the choice to clothe yourself with forgiveness, right? It's just not going to show up. Oh, here's a little forgiveness on me. It doesn't work that way. You have to make the choice, okay? You have to make the choice. I love it says here as well, make allowance for each other's faults. Let me just spend a second on this. Making an allowance is a payment made over time, okay? And so it's almost kind of like a savings account where you have a savings with account of, of forgiveness and grace towards people. 
So that when someone does offend you, you don't freak out and it doesn't end your world for the day. But you can make a draw on that deposit that you've been putting away in your savings account of forgiveness. You make an allowance for other people's fault. Guys, people are going to tick you off. They're going to do stupid stuff. And I'm a person, so I'll probably offend you at some point. Sorry. I'm going to try my best not to make you mad. I make that promise to you, but I will not guarantee I won't do it. I can't even not make myself mad. How could I possibly never make you mad? Right? And so, look, look, you're going to have to be intentional about this. The enemy goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He doesn't want you to make the choice to say, I'm going to forgive people. It's up to you. But it is a choice. Here's the other thing that forgiveness is. It's a process. You have to, you have to embrace the process, okay, when you forgive people. Matthew 18 21 through 22, so this is right before the story about that Jesus told about the, um, the people that owed money. This is actually the question that set the whole thing off, and it's Peter. He was always talking. It's hilarious. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me seven times? Peter's thinking, hey, I'm going to get one right here. I'm going to choose a really holy number, seven Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven? <laughs> John, come here, watch this. He's going to say yes, watch. What does Jesus say? Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. And then he tells the story about the king who forgave the huge debt. Wow. So see, forgiveness, 70 times seven, multiple times, over and over and over and over and over. Now, that doesn't, now don't do the math in your head and think, okay, that means I've got 490 times to forgive this person. That's not the point. Yeah, you nerd. That's not the point. The point is that you are in a continual state of forgiveness towards people. You are walking the process of forgiveness towards people. Yeah, you make the choice. All right, I'm doing this. Okay? But then you walk out the process. That means you can make the choice to forgive someone that's offended the snot out of you. And then the next morning you wake up and there's all that mental traffic going on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All those conversations in your head. I should have said this. I should have said this, right? There is a process that you have to work through. Yes, you make the choice, but you have to embrace the process. Because even though you made the choice for forgiveness, it doesn't mean that you're always going to walk in it immediately. Do you hear me? Okay. There's a process. And you say, well, I guess I didn't forgive them because I'm still having the thoughts. No. No. You have to embrace the process of forgiveness. Look, forgiveness is not just a point-in-time action. It is a lifelong decision. It's okay to not be completely out of the woods as long as you're moving forward, okay? But eventually, you're going to need to get out of those woods, okay? But it's, it's, the, it's the, the concept of failing forward. Are you going to fail? Yes, but make sure you're failing forward in the right direction. Momentum, progress, that's what we're looking for. Here's the last, here's the last point. You forgive by letting God help you. You forgive by letting God help you. Look, Hebrews, and this is our last scripture. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. I love this. This is Jesus talking. He's quoting the Old Testament. He says, I'll forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. All right. So, who is the forgiver? God. That's not a trick question. Okay. God is the forgiver, right? That's what he does, all right? So that means forgiveness is a supernatural event because God is supernatural. 
God's the one that forgives. And it's a supernatural thing that you cannot do without supernatural help. Now, I've heard people speak before and say, forgiveness is a choice. And I've heard them speak and say, it's a process. And those are absolutely true. I just told you that. But there's a third really, really important aspect of this is that forgiveness is supernatural. You have to invite the Lord into the process. You have to. He's the forgiver. It's his power that allows you to do it. So my final question to you this morning is, are you willing to forgive? It's a power tool. Unforgiveness is going to destroy you. It's really not an option because it's a house rule. Look, here's what you do. You make the choice, you embrace the process, and then you ask for supernatural help. And then you do the same thing tomorrow, and then the day after, and the day after, and the day after. And then someone else offends you. Someone else makes you mad. And then you start the process all over again with them. And then you make allowance for others' faults. And then the next day, you begin to forgive again. Guys, this is for the rest of your life. I know it's work, but the alternative is not an alternative. Can we stand for prayer?